welcome to the Think MHK podcast presented by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. On this podcast, you will hear about a variety of local matters pertaining to the business community. You also hear from local business owners to hear their story and gain valuable business insights. Thanks for tuning in today. My guest today is Ron Fear, city manager from the city of Manhattan. Welcome, Ron, to Think MHK. Thanks, Jason. You're officially the first quote unquote non chamber specific guest on this show. Uh, oh, I feel so, honored. Yeah, yeah. We and it's important, I think, based on the relationship we have with the city and and, and it's appropriate that that you would be the first non chamber person, although you're you're technically a chamber person because you're an ex officio member of the board. So right. but welcome to the podcast and thank you for being with us today. Um, talk a little bit about yourself for those that don't know you and and how did you end up in Manhattan? So I started out in Manhattan in college, uh, went to K-State for two years. I was actually in the pre-forestry curriculum and it was set up to go other places to finish. And so I actually transferred then to the University of Missouri in Columbia and got my undergraduate degree in forestry and park management. Went to Graduated in 1981 from there and went to work for, I'd been working during seasonals, uh, summers and stuff for the U.S. Forest service and the Bridger Teton National Forest in Wyoming. And uh, when I was at K-State, I did some uh, minor specialization in urban forestry. And my brother sent me an article about, had a picture of uh, uh, the city's forestry truck that had tipped over loading a big tree uh, onto uh, the truck and said, Ron, Manhattan needs you. (laughs) And so uh, that was uh, during the Carter administration when the professional registers were frozen. Uh, and so my chance to get on with Forest Service didn't look real good. Uh, so I applied for a, a job that came open eventually in Manhattan, and it's when they were forming the Parks and Recreation Department. We used to have a Parks Division, and then we had uh, a Recreation Commission, which was actually under the school district. So Tim Venata was hired to be in that position, and I got recruited to be uh, uh, the Park and Forestry Supervisor under that position, and that was in 1982. I uh, just celebrated my 40th anniversary uh, last week, so uh, thank you. Started out as the Park and Forestry Supervisor, uh, made my way to be a uh, uh, Park Resources Superintendent, Park Administration Superintendent, then Assistant City Manager. All that time, uh, uh, I started working on my master's degree in public administration, and Mike Cundiff was the city manager at the time, and he says, you know, you could have my job once you finish that. And I said, well, I don't think that's the plan at all, uh, but... Uh, I did have uh, a desire to, to maybe get more into administration and that sort of thing. So, you know, one thing led to another. Mike uh, went on down to Bryan College Station, Texas, and uh, Jim Pearson moved up, to, was the assistant city manager, became city manager, and invited me to come over and be his assistant city manager. I just finished my MPA, and so that was uh, a great opportunity for me and uh, was assistant city manager. That was back in 1992, and then... Uh, became a city manager and uh, I was acting city manager a couple of times. I've been in a number of acting positions for the city over the years and then um, uh, became city manager in 2000. So you've been city manager for 20, nearly 22 years? Yes. What's the secret to longevity? City managers don't usually stay in those positions for uh, 22 years. Uh, sometimes it's, it's strange to see one last uh, more than 10. So what's the secret to longevity? So I really think it's about uh, relationships, gaining trust and good communication with uh, not just the city commissioners who are your boss, but uh, the organization as a whole and the community as a whole. And so I've been fortunate to work with a lot of great individuals. Uh, 
and one of those great partners uh, has been the Chamber of Commerce. And so uh, certainly as the various leaders and, and chamber board members, the business community, I think, uh, uh, is a very important uh, component in the community. K-State, obviously, we've had a great town and gown relationship uh, even before me. So the, all of those are the, the key to that is uh, uh, having having good relations and trust and support with one another. Yeah, it's interesting. My predecessor, of course, Law Butler, was with the chamber for 20 years. You, you've been with the city manager's office for over 20 years. Some of that could also be Manhattan. I mean, you just don't see the uh, radical shifts in, in what people want, it seems like, year to year, and people like stability and and, uh, and, and sort of kind of keeping, keeping on a steady level, level playing field. Yeah, I, I feel very fortunate and blessed to uh, uh, be able to stay in Manhattan. It's a, we think it's a great place. We've raised our family. You know, the kids all went to Manhattan schools and man, graduated from Manhattan High and in the same house. So that's, that's, that's unusual, uh, especially in, in my profession, uh, for that to occur. So go, let's go back for a minute and talk about you, you decided to go into forestry. Talk about that. What, what would make you want to do something like that? Where did you grow up? So I was actually born uh, uh, near Wakefield okay. uh, in, in Clay Center. We had a family farm there, and actually Milford Lake uh, took our farm. Ah. Uh, but I was the youngest, had two older brothers, and uh, probably wasn't going to stay in farming. I always liked the outdoors. I was hunted fish, all that sort of stuff. So that kind of caught my interest early. And, and, uh, but at the same time, uh, in high school, as I, I was our student body, student council president, and during college, uh, was on the Ag Student Council and uh, uh, the, the Forestry Club president uh, at Mizzou. And so I was always kind of interested in that kind of leadership and, and service as well. And so that, that kind of intrigued me. Clearly, when I started my MPA at K-State, being uh, in city management really wasn't uh, one of those goals. But uh, certainly, as I uh, grew more to, to that, uh, you know, it's one of the things that I think has been, you know, I worked for the federal government with the Forest Service all through college. I worked uh, as a work-study student, so worked for K-State, worked for the University of Missouri, and so saw state government and really was enamored with local government um, and you're close to the people and, and you really can see your accomplishments uh, for from starting of the planning to budgeting a project to, to seeing it through to fruition. And so, you know, that sense of accomplishment, I think, has uh, always been one of the things that's drawn me to that aspect of things. So you're time in Columbia did not make you a Missouri fan or are you still it, a little bit? It did not. Matter okay. of fact, uh, I, I actually transferred uh, the middle of the year and uh, what my first game I went to was a K-State Mizzou game and was with, I was in a dorm that first semester and and when they, uh, K-State made that first bucket and, uh, you know, it was just like I was in Ahern, right? Only it was in the Hearn Center and I got up and shook my fist. Yeah. And I looked around and I go, oh, this is not going to be good. You, were you, sit <laughs> you weren't sitting in the middle of the antlers, were you? No, was that, no, oh, okay. I hadn't, hadn't really experienced the antlers okay, yet. Gotcha. And so uh, that was uh, not a good thing, but no, I've, I've bled purple and continue to bleed purple, especially when I came back and got my master's well, And we're all glad, glad to hear that. So uh, you talked a little bit about this already, but um, Manhattan is unique in the relationship and a lot of different ones, but for purposes of this conversation between the city and the business community through the chamber, obviously you're a big reason for that. Why do you think that that relationship is important and, and what benefits does it have for Manhattan? Well, really, I think, uh, you know, for, for a long, long time, uh, 
we've been made up of a lot of local businesses. That changed a lot when the mall came in, and I was just starting. Uh, my only contribution to the mall was I picked out the original streets trees for the streetscape. Uh, but that was a fascinating process, you know, and, and, and certainly listening to those community conversations about how how these big national firms were going to come in and change the face of the community versus locals. And that was a big concern with the community. And, uh, you know, just the, the heart and soul of the business community is, is really shows and illustrates uh, how the community is doing, in, in my opinion, uh, they create the jobs and, and certainly uh, create the, the opportunities and the risks the, that, that folks take to uh, compete and stay in business and prosper uh, Hopefully, and so that kind of really introduced me to that. But at the same time, as as we kept growing, and and certainly during the Weefald era, when when K State grew a lot, and we had a lot of students, it also was apparent that it's locals probably aren't going to keep up with the demand. Um, and so you know, we went through some interesting rezonings with a. A proposed Super Walmart that was, you know, going where Target was going to go, and all of those discussions. But, uh, and I think that led to uh, there was a demand. There was a lot of interest from outside entities to come in and and uh, uh, set up shop here. And and so I, I think we've tried to be. We learned some hard lessons because we had we reacted uh, somewhat to some of those proposals from those national firms, and then. Uh, uh, we finally, after a lot of uh, uh, discussion and, and folks that really didn't want to proceed that way, uh, we got into, well, let's, let's do the hard work and, and see what the community wants and, and look at further redevelopment. Redevelopment's a, a, an arduous process. Uh, it takes a long time. It's, a lot, it's easy, sometimes it's easy to go out to a cornfield and throw up some buildings. Uh, it's, it's harder to purchase existing businesses. Uh, that have been there a long time uh, and have uh, a relationship. But I think we learned some things during the mall era. Uh, and so one of the things that we tried to do uh, during our other redevelopment of the North End and the South End was, you know, if if, if the business that we were trying to purchase um, wanted to stay in business, we wanted to help them stay in business. So we, we tried to really put in some favorable relocation packages and by and large, we were pretty successful in in keeping those businesses that that clearly wanted to stay in business uh, in business. So, in terms of the chamber, uh, the city has an agreement with our organization to provide services. So, one of the areas is economic development, one is tourism, and then one is military relations. And I think the folks who listen to this podcast have heard me talk about why that's important. But but when you talk about it to the elected officials, what's the what's some of the reasoning that you use why that that is a benefit to the city of Manhattan? So that that relationship, I think, is a, a key relationship. And I and I think the aspect of uh, as you compete in the world now uh, hasn't always been world competition, but clearly the last decade has become that way and even more so. And uh you know, I think the the business community and the chamber itself is kind of geared uh, towards that uh, that recruitment. Um, and you know, it's the businesses that that create the jobs and make the investment or paying the property taxes, all of those things, and and generate uh, that that revenue and that income for for everybody. Um, not not just uh, local property taxes and some of them sales taxes and certainly income tax. So for the state, 
So that having that business relationship to start with is to me the the right folks that have the right connections, uh, and that public private relationship uh, is stronger uh, for that recruitment of new economic development prospects and. Uh, I think much more so than if it was just the government, an agency of the government uh, that was trying to do that because that's not part of their normal wheelhouse. And I've worked in both scenarios and it, it is a little more difficult, I think, uh, when it's just a, a city commission, which is one of the areas that I worked in, uh, because the business community does seem less engaged in that scenario and they don't feel as much connection to the process and helping make that work. And I find that to be uh, one of the unique attributes of Manhattan is even as small as our business community is compared to some of the places we compete against, their engagement is probably two to three times what it is in other places that I've been. Yeah, and I think that analysis of by the by the chamber staff as well as the the chamber board as as you weigh a prospect, you certainly have those local businesses in mind. Is this going to be? you know, unfavorable or unfair competition type of thing? Or is it reasonable and will it, uh, will it help the community overall? So I, and I think they're, they're in a unique position to better evaluate that. And of course, in the case of economic development and military relations, uh, every dollar put in by the city is matched by private sector investment, in some cases more than, than match. And so you get twice the bang for your buck in, in terms of tax dollars. Absolutely. And, and I think that's certainly a, a huge plus locally. I don't think you see that everywhere, at least as I talk to my colleagues no, around, absolutely not. around the state. Uh, that's not something that, that they see very often. And uh, that's important because you got tremendous skin in the game. Um, and so that's, uh, that's a big component and it, it, it weighs uh, mightily in the overall consideration of the of the overall outcome. And, and, and it's uh, uh, not just uh, sitting there working on a city subsidy, if you will, which is sometimes the claim. You just said you passed uh, your 40th anniversary. Again, congratulations for that. Um, in your 40 years, what are some of the accomplishments uh, of which you're the most proud? So there's a lot, but... <laughs> A few that popped to mind. So back in 1986, and it was actually right uh, uh, when the mall was getting ready to open, we did a quality of life bond issue. And actually, my predecessor, Don Harmon, who was brought in to, to help do down the original downtown redevelopment uh, with the mall, uh, you know, there was a big demand for sports fields and softball was a adult softball slow pitch was a big, big thing back then. And at the time, we had these... Uh, if you drive off Casement Road and you're out there by uh, Allen Road or Griffith Drive, I should say, by the Northview School, those two big green fields were the only two softball fields plus Wilson Field and City Park that we had in the community. So there was a big desire to, to upgrade a lot of our outdoor recreation facilities. And, and part of this stemmed, too, from creating a Parks and Recreation Department. We're really focused on providing those services. Uh, before with the Rec Commission, they relied on school district facilities and, and parks. So there really wasn't that mentality that the parks are there to use and, and be able to, to have folks to, to utilize those sports fields. So we were underrepresented in those particular areas. So we did a quality of life bond issue. That was the beginning of Annenberg Park. We built a new softball complex and soccer fields and uh, it turned out to be very great. The other part of that, uh, we built a Seco swimming pool as part of that bond issue. It was a property tax bond issue. 
uh, about 2.7 million. Seems like a little amount now when we just did, you know, like a 27 million one. So uh, thing, things changed, but it was a Something for everyone was kind of our philosophy, and I and I know uh, when we first approached the city manager Harmon with the uh, uh, prospects for that, he just kind of looked at us, and you know he was deep in the mall stuff, and so he says, "Well, you you know if you want to try, you can, but you know I don't think you're going to be too successful." So the other things we did with that was the start of the linear park on the. Uh, trail and some of the old Rock Island Railroad that was abandoned as part of that. We also did the T. Russell Wright's Animal Shelter. So the the dog pound used to be in the zoo, which kept the zoo from being accredited uh, because you had that there. And so it was a good thing for the zoo as well. And uh, it was just uh, very favorably, very well supported. And that was uh, cutting the ribbon on all of those uh, facilities uh, uh, was a, a big accomplishment. And, and what year was that? That was 87. 87, yeah. so quite a while ago. Yeah. And that led to a series of other bond issues, renewing that, going with a sales tax bond issue. We've done a ED sales tax uh, that started with, uh, back in the 90s, it was a five-year city tax, and then went with the countywide tax for two decades. And now we just, uh, with the chambers uh, certainly support, uh, just renewed it again uh, uh, for as a city sales tax. So those those were significant uh, accomplishments in that overall aspect. Uh, you know, clearly the the other one that uh, comes to mind is the NBAF. Uh, that was a, an amazing process. You know, never could I have imagined. You know, we we did, uh, and the air service that we got as as a result of that, uh, being part of uh, going to the legislature and having the governor's office support for getting a $2 million air service grant through the House and the Senate and on the governor's desk in two days uh, was was just amazing. And then the pent-up demand that was there was was amazing that uh, getting the deal with American. And I know when the state, we were also, this was the time when we were doing the improvements to K-18 and starting to do the planning for the interchanges. And when we told them we wanted to do an interchange at the airport, they just kind of looked at us because that was when we still had 19 passenger puddle jumpers to, to Kansas City. And they just kind of, they said, well, you're going to have to pay for part of it if you want to add that. So we said, okay, we'll do that. But so it's it's been very satisfying to, to see that, wow, that was really the right thing to do. Uh, back then, and and look what it's what it's done for us. So, and of course, air service is one of the true success stories of Manhattan. There, there was a subsidy guaranteed, where they guaranteed a certain amount of revenue that you never even had to use. Right. Actually, we built a two million dollar credit. We gave the original two million back to the state. So yeah, it was uh, we we hit it right, and and it worked out worked out very well. Obviously, uh, landing in Bath, still anxious to. Uh, officially uh, cut the ribbon on that. We're getting closer to that. So that was a that was an amazing team team deal, though. I mean, it was nonpartisan. The the legislature, the governor's office, the congressional delegation, everybody locally uh, was aboard and behind that, and it was just a true amazing. Uh, example of, of cooperation. And so that was a that was a biggie. And as somebody who didn't live here at the time and was in economic development was something that definitely was noticed across the country that Manhattan could land something of this magnitude. And I think drew lawsuits, right? And didn't yeah. there's some communities that were <laughs> upset about it. So threatened anyway. Yeah. So we, so we survived that and hopefully we will be cutting a ribbon on that very soon. And, and I think some of the things you talked about are are very illustrative of Manhattan's ability to make the key investments that are important to attract 
other private investment or attract more growth. And I know that's one of the things we've talked about recently, um, that some of the external forces have really challenged us, uh, both in terms of the reductions at Fort Riley, in terms of reductions of students. And, um, and so we've sort of held our own, uh, not grown to the level as, as I think we have in the past, but, but considering those external forces, it's really remarkable that we have held our own over the last 10 years. And, and uh, I've said this before, but I think it's a credit to a lot of the, the uh, projects that the city has undertaken and, and, uh, and the foresight that you all have had to, to do that uh, in, in, pre- in preparation for what we think is going to be a great 2022 and beyond. Thank you. And, and you know, it's a, it's a team effort. Uh, you know, we've got a, a great team of, of department heads and, and other staff at the city. And, and clearly, uh, everybody works together well. Uh, I mentioned the town-gown relationship. We've always enjoyed a close relationship with, with K-State. Um, that's, that's proven out now on the Edge District uh, with the North Campus Corridor and just, you know, with athletics, with the foundation, with all of the, the various departments uh, of the colleges and, and university administration itself. So, and that's very unique. You know, it, it doesn't exist down the river. Uh, I can tell you that because uh, my a former deputy is a staff person there. And so it's a unique relationship. And I think, uh, you know, from my perspective, one of the reasons for that, we're kind of isolated out here in the Flint Hills and we're not next to a big metro. And, you know, that's good and bad. Uh, but I think it's made us have to certainly work together more and harder to get what we've got. And, and then we have to work even harder to keep what we've got. That's 100% true. Having been in a suburb, uh, sometimes that masks your problems. And by the time you figure it out, it's too late. So we recently had uh, Mayor Linda Morse on Good Morning Manhattan, and she outlined all of the projects that were coming up uh, for the city. And there's a lot. You all have a lot on your plate. What are one or two of the key issues that our listeners should be uh, thinking about over the next couple of months? Sure. So you're going to continue to hear about Aggieville. Uh, obviously, the commission uh, uh, there at the end of December awarded uh, a $6 million project in Aggieville to rebuild North Manhattan. One of the challenges we have in Aggieville is that it's one of the oldest shopping districts uh, in the in Kansas. It's the oldest. I think it? it is. Yeah, I think I've heard um, it's the oldest. And, and so is the infrastructure. <laughs> and so we're making a commitment to, uh, we have our, our Aggieville vision uh, that's been approved that, that is looking at increasing our density and, and transforming the area to be uh, more uh, mixed use uh, from that perspective, and it, but still retain the historic nature that it is uh, and the, the, the district that, it, that it's always been. Uh, but with its location next to campus, it's just prime uh, for, one, capitalizing on opportunities for college graduates uh, to to us for us to create and attract companies here to be able to retain those graduates and I think it's uh, those kind of improvements that we're starting to focus on. Uh, we did a pre-development agreement uh, middle of last year with Back Nine Development uh, on the uh, 12th and Laramie surface parking lot to transform that into a mixed use facility that will be very exciting uh, f- as far as that uh, density is concerned. So discussion on that final development agreement will be uh, on tap for that. And, and if that's approved, they'd like to get started on that uh, construction wise. Uh, this year, we're finishing the parking garage. So f- for the next 
couple of years uh, in order to complete that vision. You know, the the great thing about this is, you know, we've had investment in Aggieville, the new hotel. Uh, that's we created this tax increment financing district to capture this growth that's going to occur, and that's helping underpin a lot of that cost. And I mentioned uh, just that six million dollar North Manhattan project. About forty percent of that is utility related. New water lines. We're running all new services to the to the businesses, both water and sewer. And so uh, it's going to be inconvenient. You know, and it's going to cause some disruption. And so we, we want to try and do that uh, in phases uh, so it causes uh, minimal as possible. But uh, clearly when you do redevelopment, I mean, when we did downtown new streetscaping, uh, it, there are some uh, inconveniences. But uh, uh, I think it will really – everybody, I think, will be pleased uh, – when it's over. The other, we're continuing the work on the Edge District, North Campus Corridor, got uh, awarded another project to do that middle segment of Kimball Avenue. Uh, we'll start design uh, this year on the final big intersection there of Denison and Kimball uh, and try and get that uh, bid and done uh, next year before the official opening of, of MBAF after they go through their uh, training and, and, and testing period. So those are the two biggies. Uh, we're into final design on the airport for the runway replacement. Uh, that actual construction, uh, for the most part, won't start till next year, and and it will involve some having to close the airport and 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 close air service uh, for a couple of months. And so that's uh, something that uh, we need to try and prepare for. It looks like the funding set up well for that. So those are part of the biggies. Recently, the commission approved uh, setting the date for the public hearing on the new uh, expanded Starbond district for the Air and Light Museum. And uh, so they were moving the location to that uh, kind of to the mall parking lot. And so folks will start hearing more about that process. And uh, I think it's a better location. Ultimately, I think... Uh, most everybody would agree with that, and, and it's going to be a, a great improvement for the community. Appreciate the DeBryans uh, stepping forward and uh, with this concept, and and the you know the great news of us paying off our star bonds five years early creates this window of, of revenue opportunity uh, uh, for them to capture some of that uh, and make this additional attraction, which I think will be a, a great benefit to the community and the state and, and the country. And of course, one other issue that the chamber is paying attention to, uh, the housing study and, and developing a strategy for workforce housing. And so that, that's Absolutely. probably something else you'll hear from about from the chamber on, uh, cause that's something we're very excited about. So. Most definitely. Well, Ron, thank you so much for being with us today. We appreciate you taking your time, but more importantly, we appreciate your partnership and, uh, and all the things that the city has done uh, to work with the chamber to improve Manhattan and make it a great place to live, work, and play. Thanks, Jason. Glad to be here. Thanks for listening to this episode of Think MHK, a podcast produced by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. If you enjoyed the Think MHK podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe and share it out on your social media channels. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce.